So the first four episodes of the new TV series that Ryan Clayton and I put together are now available on Amazon. I'll leave a link in the show notes. And for our international viewers, we'll have Vimeo set up for you guys. So each episode is just 99 cents. And you'll hear more about why we're trying to stick our necks out here, try a different platform, try something new. You know, this is high risk for, for Ryan and I in terms of this could be a total flop, you know. And you also hear our logic in trying to change and do something different. It's not just to be different. It's There's logic and reason behind it. So we didn't take the easy path here. This has been an incredible amount of work. Uh, we collaborated a lot. Ryan put together just an absolutely stunning series. And I couldn't be more proud of the end result there. So please check it out. Leave a Leave a great review. And I'll leave you with a quote that I think kind of summarizes the project that Ryan and I worked on. And it is, man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. And that's Andre Guide. Ryan and I definitely lost sight of the shore. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you'll, you'll hear more about it during this episode. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. Great cause. Oh, thanks, man. I respect that, man, so you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspired. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Air Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hi, this is Alex Nichols. Uh, welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. Welcome to episode 137 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. We have a great episode. We talked to Ryan Clayton, who is not only a you know a film producer, he's an audio uh, professional for the most part, and awesome ultra. I mean, he contributes a lot to the community. He's you know a father of two, and he's a friend now. You know, he's, he's uh, really shown himself throughout the past several months putting this together. We collaborated and actually worked really great together, but I'm excited to share just part of his story, and there's a lot more to it, obviously, but let's, uh, let's first thank the sponsors. Kogala, if you haven't checked out their light, I'll leave a link in the show notes. It's what I use on any kind of multi-day race or anything... Any running in the dark, it's kind of a game changer not having a headlamp on your head, but being able to put it on a waist belt or wherever you like to put it. So um, check that show note link out, and I'll try to put a discount code there too. 
If you haven't checked out Hammer Nutrition, feel free to use my promo code 252888 and you'll save 15% off your first order. I know they've changed up their CBD offering and, and now they're even offering a um, an applicator uh, that makes CBD a lot easier to apply. So check that out. And then big thank you to Exoskin. You'll hear us talk about it on the episode. You've you've heard me talk about them a lot, and you know I I'm very happy with them. I've worn them on every run pretty much since Moab 240 in 2018. So if you're looking to try out a new pair of socks or just looking for something different, they have toe socks, regular socks, calf sleeves, base layers, skull caps. I think they're going to eventually come out with a few other products, but I've, I've been really happy with the quality of the products. So check out the show notes again for a, a discount code. And then last but not least, Destination Trail, hopefully the Triple Crown takes place. I know a lot of people are kind of anxious with races being canceled, but check out their website. They have a variety of virtual race options with those unique, really cool belt buckles that we all love. So also, big thank you to the Patreon supporters. So the shout-out level, Richard Murray, David Colbert, you guys um, have been longtime supporters, Meg Collins. Thank you, guys. Brian, Landon, Ray, Brian, Todd, Matthew, Pat, uh, you guys have all been huge supporters. I love giving you guys a shout-out, and you make this all work behind the scenes, so Truly appreciate it. Thank you to each and every one of you Patreon supporters. Love the conversations we have in the closed Facebook group. So thank you guys. Enjoy this episode. Let me know what you think. I'm joined by a friend of the show. I've become really good friends with him at this point. He's followed me throughout the Triple Crown. He's always had a giant camera. And he's doing an awesome job producing the running the Triple Crown TV show. Ryan Clayton, thanks for joining me on the Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Happy to be here. That was a great intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was fun following you around with the camera and uh, just going to all these awesome places, um, witnessing some pretty cool stuff that all the racers and volunteers and directors were doing at these races. But um, yeah, good times. And a lot of work editing, um, putting it all together, producing it all. But yeah, happy to be almost to the end. And, I know. Uh, just about there. And for the listeners' background, Ryan and I behind the scenes scenes have been like not pulling out our hair, but you know, Ryan's done everything he needs to do. He hits upload to Amazon, and now it's like nothing. Like we're just waiting. Is that pretty much uh the description of what's taking place yeah i mean for episode so, one at least like, yeah like amazon uh the way it works is i mean it's it's not that different than um other video platforms it's just you get zero feedback <laughs> uh they tell you that they're reviewing it and that it's going to take two to four days and then a uh, week or two later, it's still being reviewed and there's no, you know, there's no feedback. So, but, I mean, we're just, you know, it's, it's scheduled to go live tomorrow and, uh, there's still a good chance that it will, but okay. there's just, 
there's just no feedback. And so that's the, that's the hard part about Amazon. The cool thing about Amazon is that it's, everybody knows about it. It's a humongous platform. I mean, you can like, um, people are going to, people are going to be able to find, uh, the show easy. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons so why we picked it. So we're doing, yeah. yeah, trying something a little different. I mean, there's obviously been ultra running and, and trail running shows on Amazon prior, but I don't think there's been many tries at a TV show or like that format of episodes. And there might've been one or two. I, I don't know. I don't have time to keep up on every single media outlet uh, within ultra running, but I think it's pretty different how we're capturing this. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's really hard to do a episode series. Um, I mean, putting together a, you know, 15, 20 minute, 30 minute, even an hour long video is one thing. Uh, but to put together what we're doing, six episodes, right around 30 minutes each. I mean, it's a, it's a monster task. And so that's why people, I think, I think that's why you kind of don't really see a whole lot of that kind of stuff. And until you start getting into like, they've got a film crew and there's a separate producer, director, there's editors, there's, you know, sound people. And once you get a team together, it's much easier to put together something like this, but this has been quite a challenge. Uh, I like yeah. that aspect. I mean, when, cause when we initially were talking the TV, like the show, the episode idea came up after the fact. Like we knew we were going to capture these three races. We didn't really know the format we were going to put together. Uh, and I kind of like the ambitious side of it. Like, I mean, first of all, it's a little different putting on Amazon and charging 99 cents an episode. Ooh, like, you know, watch out, guys. We we do actually have to pay for Ryan to fly places for several days <laughs> and live in a car. It's not even like you had a nice place. <laughs> like, just covering no. costs here, guys. Uh, but yeah. I yeah. just, I, I was kind of excited at trying something different and just the ambitious side of this. I mean, this is... This was a lot. And like you said, these are 30, I think I saw the first episodes like 34 minutes, 35 or something. Like these aren't short episodes. Essentially, we've kind of collaborated and produced six movies almost in a weird way. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's structured uh, like in a documentary format. Um, The first couple episodes are a little bit more... um, there's more, you know, cutaways, interview sort of style. Uh, and then as you go through the Triple Crown, I mean, one of my favorite um, ways of uh, some of my f- more favorite documentaries are just kind of more like that fly on the wall uh, sort of um, you're just kind of in it with the people that you're following. Get and lost in it, yeah. Yeah, and it's just... I mean, this type of material lends itself to kind of that style. And so it kind of transitions more into a little bit of that towards the end of the uh, season. But it's just lots of, um, I mean, ultra runners or, you know, runners, people that like being in the mountains are really going to identify with this. And um, I think they're really going to like it a lot. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned the kind of, the way it morphed. I mean, I think, you know, the original idea, uh, you know, when I 
when we, when I contacted you, it was just like, let's just do like a movie or like a video, you know, like 60 minutes, maybe something like that. 45 yeah. minutes just following you through these races. And then just the more we talked, it was like, well, maybe we could pull off something more like episodes. Maybe we could, um, you know, change up the format a little bit. And then what if we put it on Amazon and just started, you know, thinking more outside the box and trying to, you know, do something just a little bit, a little bit different. Like you said, I think it's, Um, it's turned out amazing. I mean, I've, I've gotten really good feedback from everyone that's watched the little tiny, uh, pieces of episode one. And then, I mean, put together the trailer really, uh, amazingly, I think people are going to be surprised how digestible and I don't know, just fun and and relaxing it is to watch this. I mean, yeah, what it's uh, definitely yeah, it's definitely in the ultra runner spirit. Like it's you're not, it's not going to be something like a uh, Survivor TV show or something like overproduced and um, just like these you know, super hyped moments. Uh, it's going to definitely be more, more representative of what it feels like to go through an ultra. Um, and really it's going to be really educational for a lot of people that are interested in running two hundreds. I know a lot of, a lot of people that I've talked to, you know, a lot of us do hundreds every year and a couple a year. Um, but just the thought of pulling off a 200 is just, it's a different beast. And I think this is really going to be educational for people. And really, I mean, people are going to be able to watch how you did things, especially the, some of the differences from race to race. And I won't give anything away, but just like some of how you changed uh, your approach and different resources or people that you used uh, throughout uh, the triple crown. I think it's really good. People are going to learn a lot from this, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, I wanted to show, and I've I've talked openly like about no pacer at Bigfoot, so I'm not giving anything away. And I, I do want to be tight-lipped because yeah. I want the viewer to explore this on their own also. But to be able to show you what it takes to do something like a Bigfoot and you know potentially fail big without crew, without pacers, and how you go about that, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned there. So you can... There's yeah. little tricks that you might pick up. And yeah, I, I, that's why I do this, Ryan. I want, that's why I wrote the book. Like, I want to educate, but also entertain. I think you get that. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've ever told you this. I reached out to one person before I talked to you about this concept. And that was uh, Ethan Newberry. So I, I hold, I put you in high esteem. And I think on YouTube, you do great work. And your guys' styles are totally different, but I felt like uh, having seen your work that it was just not followed enough yet. And so I'm really excited to kind of showcase what you're capable of doing here. And yeah, from what I've seen, it's been amazing. Like I, I really have enjoyed partnering up with you, and and it, this has gone absolutely perfect. So what, what other thoughts do you have on yeah. the show? Cause we talk about it a lot, but no one else really knows what's going on with this. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's funny to, I'm, you know, I'll be interested to see what people 
think of it, obviously, like obviously want, you know, feedback and everything, but I think it'll be, it'll be fun to hear how people think things went because just the experience, you know, that I had of filming it or what we had with planning it, um, uh, the experience of being at these races, like trying to, you know, get my, get myself from aid station to aid station, just how many like struggles there were like hiring extra camera people. Um, <laughs> and then just like coordinating, coordinating with all your crew and talking to Candace and getting permission for certain things and getting turned down for certain things. Yeah. Uh, just like, it'll be fun to see, uh, just like how, because I don't think a lot of that will come across, but it's just like, you know, that never really does. I mean, it's, that's what maybe like behind the scenes stuff is for. And I have a ton of GoPro stuff that I've filmed of just myself. I'll probably put some YouTube videos together behind the scenes. Um, Cool. and upload those but you know it's just there's so much so much that went into this and and that was one thing that i think anytime you take on a project that is you know bigger than something you've done before you just learn so much and that's one of the things that i'm you know just most thankful for throughout this is just like how much i've learned and just if you know I ever do something like this again or work on something bigger or do something more like um, you know like narrative driven anything like that just how much um, I was able to gain from this and learn from it um, but just so, like the little things about like you know you need you have to rent a jeep that has the plug, uh, <laughs> the plug. I just need a plug like trying to convince to this guy at Enterprise that I, you know, I, no, I can't take this minivan. Minivans are cool. Like I would, I would love to drive around in a minivan because it'd be a lot easier to sleep in the back of it, but it doesn't have, like, I need to charge batteries. Yeah. I need to charge a lot of batteries for five days because I'm going to be in the mountains and I'm not going to be able to, you know, pull over at a gas station and sit there for eight yeah. hours yeah. letting my batteries He's charge. Essentially pulled <laughs> off uh, the triple crown of filming. Like yeah. if you really think about <laughs> what you put yourself through with sleep deprivation and going to each aid station yeah. and just yeah. the amount of effort and you had to be fueling yourself and staying hydrated also. And I, yeah. I'm amazed. It was, you know, that was quite, uh, the undertaking. It was definitely an ultra in its own right. Um, like just going, you know, drive, you know, getting off the plane, getting the Jeep and going straight to Walmart and getting, you know, food for five or six days. Uh, and just knowing that I'm not going to come back to civilization <laughs> for, yeah. you know, I need to be able to survive, like literally survive. And so just getting all of that kind of stuff together and figuring out, you know, what is it like to, I mean, I know a lot of people have done this, but I've never slept in a car for four nights, five nights in a row. Uh, just getting that whole routine down. And then, like you said, uh, sleep deprivation, because I was following you to all the eight stations I could. And a lot of times you're going to maybe arrive maybe at midnight, but maybe it was going to be three o'clock in the morning. And so you had to be waiting around like for hours. Oh yeah. On your feet with the camera ready to go. You can't miss the, that one shot. Right. And myself and your crew for, uh, Tahoe and Moab, like 
huge kudos to all of them because they were doing the same thing, not sleeping, um, and waiting. And a lot of these places, a lot of these aid stations that we would be at didn't have cell service. And the ones that did, like you could refresh the map that had your GPS tracker on it. Uh, but a lot of times the GPS, Oh, it didn't upload. It you know, it hasn't pinged the satellite for, you know, 40 minutes or something like that. And so just the amount of like, uh, I don't know, coordination it kind of took to get from aid station to aid station and then be in the right place at the right time. Because, you know, it sounds like on paper, it sounds like something, oh, it's not that hard. You just have to go to aid station and wait. And well, <laughs> it is pretty hard. Like if you, if you got 20 miles in between two aid stations of trails for you, you know, it could be, it could be 40 or 50 miles of driving depending on the roads or more. And then a lot of these roads, especially at Bigfoot were dirt roads with potholes. And so some of these, some of these age stations, I was just getting there minutes before you others like Tahoe and Moab were a lot easier to get around. Um, so a lot of times you could get there and uh, like have a couple hours on your hands, but then at the same time, it's, you got to be ready for when you're coming. Cause like, that's the whole, that's the whole reason why I'm at these races is to capture your journey. And so if I'm sitting in the car sleeping and you get to the aid station and leave and I don't even catch it, like what's the point of even being there? Kind of, I'm not doing my job, you know? So it's, it was being hyper vigilant for, you know, four days Way straight. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to, you know, just do the job. And it was, is definitely an adventure being out in the mountains. Um, something like just, you know, I won't forget either of those, any of those three places. They're you know just incredible places. Yeah. And that's, I'm, I'm really excited to share the beauty of those trails because the combination of doing the three races yeah the mileage is a lot and the gains a lot but you don't really understand how absolutely stunningly beautiful these three race locations are until you see it on film and i think we got a ton of that and Mm -hmm. i'll never forget when we were talking about whether we do this project or not you're like like are you worried this is going to be kind of boring like you know, what if nothing happens or what if you drop out like really early? Like, (laughs) yeah. And I think my response was like, Ryan, these are 200 milers. There's always something that happens. (laughs) Like there's always a train wreck to be followed. Like (laughs) that's, that's what 200 milers are. It's how you get through the train wreck of the situation onto the next one, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of moments where you're definitely right in the middle of a train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's it. considering we broke this into six episodes. I think it flows perfectly. It's entertaining because you're not only seeing daylight and nighttime, you're seeing me through like day one, two, three, whatever. And then you're also seeing different locations with different Mm -hmm. backgrounds and scenery and different people and i don't know i and i think yeah it turned out really well yeah 
Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's hard for me to really judge that because I'm so deep in it. And, you know, there's a lot of times where you just feel like you're getting lost in the content and it's just so much. And you, I, sometimes I just have to pull myself out for a day or two days or something and then get back into it just to see it from the bird's eye view again. But yeah, I think I, the way we approached it too with, uh, you know, using a lot of, you know, footage from myself from you know handhelds or gimbals like with you know actual you know decent cameras uh but then we mixed in a lot of gopro footage too um and i think hopefully people enjoy that and like i think it's the story any other way i mean in my opinion that's the thing like i don't think i don't think we could have done it without that approach because there's just no way that we could have got enough of your reactions to things or your story um, by not doing that. And so it's going to be, uh, you know, the way, the way I've cut it together, it, you know, I think it flows, you know, pretty well from, you know, using GoPro footage to other camera uh, footage. And it's just, it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of, you know, people's reaction because I think it's a different approach. It's not just like a straight up, like documentary where there's yeah. just, you know, one yeah. person going Outside around with the camera yeah. filming. Yeah. It's, it's very much, it switches from the first person narrative to, you know, fly on the wall. Exactly. And I think that really helps the pace of it too, because it breaks it up a lot because for a couple minutes, okay, now we are, we're right in, you know, we're, you know, th- this is Rob handheld running down, a single track trail and telling us, you know, what's hurting or whatever. And then you know, the next moment, complaining. <laughs> yeah. crying. And then the next moment it's a totally different perspective and it jumps, uh, which will be, it, it's interesting. And I, there's not, there's not a whole lot of content that I can really think of that's out there. That's a, a lot like this where it's more long form, but then jumping perspectives, um, so that was a big challenge with the editing. That's, um, that's surprise a lot of people, I think. Like they yeah. might not realize when we went to Moab, we had multiple, multiple cameras. Like, so mm-hmm. we get to yeah. not only choose like angles and what's aesthetically pleasing, but then how do we tell the story best? Do we use, because there's a lot of times when, I, and again, I'm trying to be careful not to share anything too much, but we have things covered by three or four people at the same time. And there were times when we missed a shot and we actually could reach out to someone that, you know, saw something that had a camera and we had one yeah. angle of it and we could get a different angle of it. And we had cameramen that sometimes didn't show up to where they're supposed to go. And that's fine. Um, and that's not Ryan. Uh <laughs> And, and we, yeah, and I mean, it was a mix tried of, to work around it. Of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had cell phone footage. We have GoPro footage. We've got, you know, uh, more proper cameras mixed into. So it's, it's a mix of everything. And yeah. How many is hours a, of is, footage do we have? Do you know, like in totality? I don't know. Like two the terabytes hours, probably. But, uh no it's closer to seven um right now i've got i've got a yeah i've got 
So, I mean, if anybody cares about this, I've got, uh, this is kind of more like behind the scenes stuff, but I'm working with, uh, a five terabyte Lacey drive. And that's constantly like every, every other day I'm carbon copying it to another five terabyte drive. And then I've got a two terabyte solid state drive that I put a lot of the like more immediate stuff that I'm using on. And then I carbon copy that every couple days too. And so that's like seven terabytes of almost unique footage and data and wow. all that. And it's constantly also being backed up. Um, there's lots of, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but I back up things a lot to make sure I don't lose stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, I have the same fear. I mean, when you capture it, but I mean, for the, the listeners background, they might not realize when I went to an aid station, I would hand you my GoPro a lot of times and you'd either give me a battery or replace the battery. And then there were times when I took a sleep break, you'd take out the card and back up my GoPro because it was very nerve wracking having the entire GoPro footage on a single camera. If I were to fall asleep and drop it somewhere or like lose it in a Creek, like there goes the show pretty much. There's like, from my perspective, there was a ton of extra thinking going on. I'm glad I, I had, practice nutrition and hydration to the point of like not having to think about it because yeah i had to i had to think a lot about like okay angle here like what kind of update and then i also needed to kind of cue you into where i was so when you're rifling through all the gopro footage you're like okay he's at mile 125 like the slots here Mm -hmm. So everything syncs up because you probably got what, 10 hours of GoPro footage from me throughout the triple crown. Yeah. Again, I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah. And that's the, yeah. Yeah. There's so many like technical things that went into it. Yes. Like, so every time you came to an aid station, well, not every time, but most of the time we're checking, swapping out batteries for you. And then, like you said, anytime you took a sleep break, I always carbon copied, and backed up the uh, memory card on the GoPro to make sure we didn't lose anything. So constantly just downloading that data. And then I was doing the same thing with my SD cards and most of my handheld footage I was recording with a Ninja uh, M Pro Res. And so that was being backed up to a solid state drive as well. So basically when I was getting on the plane, I made sure I had, I think it was like, I, I wanted to make sure I had four copies of every single piece of data yes. on all different hard drives and SD cards so that if I'm sending a hard drive through one of those airport scanners and it, it wipes it for some reason, yeah, which has happened before to me on the way, actually on the way to Tahoe. Um, cause I would always test this, like going through different airports and stuff on the way to Tahoe. I just put like one, like one video file on one of my hard drives. And as I was going through the airport, it wiped it. <laughs> and I was that so just like paranoid. Yeah. But it was just like some random thing that I recorded at home, just testing it. But, and I was basically doing the same thing and people might not realize behind the scenes. Once again, Ryan and I were, I think I got a two terabyte hard drive and I had to overnight you something. And we, yeah. we've been going 
back and forth and it's been a battle because it's yeah you want I want to give you the opportunity to rework this however you see fit and it's been fun collaborating I'm sure you're like I mean again for the listeners background my creative process is like throw out 99% of my ideas and I know 90 eight of those are complete trash (laughs) and I feel bad (laughs) because I like rapid fire texts. Um, but it's part of my creative process. Like I've just learned through writing and, and photography and filmmaking. Like if I weren't to give you that idea, I'd either forget about it or whatever. And hopefully it hasn't been a whole like big pain in your ass. Um, I mean, what, what's it been like working with me? Like I'm kind of a weird abstract creative type at times as <laughs> as you've learned. You're very disciplined and and very detail oriented, so I think that's why we yeah. collaborate so well. Yeah, I mean we definitely process information differently and that was one uh thing that you know was you know obviously right from the beginning I think we probably both had to get used to this like you just like you said like you externally process a lot of things and I internally process. And if I've got 10 ideas, I whittle them down, uh, just on my own until I come up with one that I like. And then like, I'll send you like one idea, (laughs) you know, and for you, like, it's like, I'll get like, you know, six or seven texts in a row with all different ideas. And I'm like, okay, like I'll, I'm like the marker board guy. I'm like, throw all the ideas on the marker board. Right. <laughs> there are no yeah. bad ideas. And, think, and you're like, Rob, that was a that was a bad idea. You're probably internally like, <laughs> dang it, Rob. Like just stop. No. I mean it's we just it's been it's been fun because you know, we just I think we process things uh differently, but that helps because um just the way it works. I mean it works out fine. Um but yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun process. I mean, um, yeah, the way, the way that I work with, uh, video and editing and, um, I mean, I like to, I like to work really fast. I like to get kind of like in the zone, like when I'm, uh, editing or especially mixing audio. Like I just, I mean, I have so, so much experience mixing audio. That's part of my, part of my, profession uh and so like i just i love when i get to sit down and just like just like go through a mix or like right now i'm doing the coloring and um you know i I love i love that too so i really like i really like all the processes uh all the parts of the process the hardest one though is when you get home and you've got you know a hard drive and you're just like okay where do i start yeah i Personally, I just throw everything in the timeline chronologically. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, at least I know how much footage I got. Like for Matt Daniels, I think I, I remember messaging him. I was like, okay, well, we got seven hours. <laughs> it's uh-huh. like, got to start whittling it down, which is nice because it only keeps the absolute like best little nuggets uh, remaining like just keep sifting through put the story together at least that's how i do it um i i like having the hard drive 
I'm like I'm yeah. like the the painter with the blank canvas and the the yeah. big tubes of oil paint ready to go, yeah. you know, like fresh brush. Like this is exciting for me at least, but I could see it being overwhelming when you got <laughs> 7 terabytes yeah. of well, it's, footage. Yeah. I mean, it's both. It's exciting and stressful and scary and, you know, like amazing because just the, you know, the natural, the, the nature of choices is that when you have a blank canvas, you have a million choices. And then once you make one choice, now you have less and then you make another choice and you have less. And so as you go throughout the process, you started with a million choices and by the end you have the last choice you make, you have two choices, you know, like that's just how it works. And so for me, like, it's like, I look at those million choices of a blank canvas and it's like, okay, like, yeah, like you said, you just got to throw everything in a timeline and you go through and you start picking selects and then you make, I mean, the way I, my, my premiere pro project and maybe I'll show people this on YouTube or something one day, but it's just like, I've got so many timelines from this project because it's, I keep whittling down and okay, here's a timeline with one idea and here's another timeline with another idea. And this is how we can do this one. And then I pick one and move with it. And, you know, now you have less choices and the further you go, it's once you get to, you know, once you get to the, the end of editing, then you start coloring and, it's, uh, it's and then you start and then you do the audio mix at least that's how i do it and, how do you pick out music uh, uh yeah that's another that's another like excruciatingly hard part <laughs> uh just sit for hours listening to music and trying to pick trying to pick the right the right one um is it emotional is it like how do you is there any kind of method to it or is that definitely like yeah. more the abstract well, I wish there and was, I wish there was a better method. <laughs> uh, like should be just software. Then. <laughs> well, there are some, some websites that are better than others that you can get music from. Um, but I mean, for me, when I'm, you know, putting together an edit, like I know right away what, uh, type of music I want and for the most part it's like I, I think about the intensity of the scene first and um, what's happening in the scene and the music has to describe what's happening in the scene or if it's not it has to be cueing the viewer into something that they need to be thinking about or something that's about to happen the music I mean there's a there's a the music has to have a purpose like you can't random well, a lot of people do you can randomly put music in, but for me, the music has to have a purpose and it has to say something about what's happening. And so for the, for most of the choices, it was trying to say, trying to describe what's, uh, what, you know, the person on screen is experiencing. So for the most part, that was you. So that was kind of like me putting myself in your perspective and trying to, trying to elaborate on, you know, the, what you're going through in that moment, like whether it's a hard, a hard part of the race or whether it's, you know, an exciting part or, you know, the sun just came up or you know, we're going into night and, you know, you're bonking or whatever. Like, I think a lot the, that was the choice that I usually made. You know, there's, you can either do what's the, 
what's the character feeling or experiencing, or you can, you know, pick music based off of what the environment is telling the character. And interesting for the most, for the most part, I decided more on trying to pick what you, what I thought you were experiencing. But then there was some other times where I was cueing the environment. Uh, and so like you really like, it's, it's a very, very difficult process. And I don't know if maybe I overcomplicate it for myself, but I, I, re- I enjoy that part too. Sometimes I, 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 I honestly, I feel like sometimes it's luck as weird as that sounds. It's like, yeah. well, finding just the right happened. One. I mean, yeah. even if you have like 20 songs, just yeah. putting the right one in the right place, it's like, sometimes that's impossible. Um, yeah. but I, I love Ask that part of the try. process. <laughs> sometimes I'll start with the music. Sometimes I'll be like, you know, I know where the story's going and I know the emotion and the environment and what the character's going through. And then I kind of work backwards off it, as weird as that sounds. Um, what am I going to shift to? I mean, any last thoughts? Do you have one episode that, like, you're proud of more than other episodes? Or do you like how they flow together? Like... Tell me, yeah. tell me what you're proud of. Tell me, don't tell me what you're not yeah. proud of. Yeah, well, I just, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it's hard to, it's hard to pick one. Uh, there's, there's certain episodes that I feel better about than others. And I'll probably never tell anybody that. <laughs> not even you. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about that. But there's, there's certain episodes where I'm like, yeah, that one just hit a lot better. Uh, it just uh it fired from scene to scene a lot better and there's others where like okay this was kind of a struggle to put together and yeah yeah the thing that the thing that you know you no one will ever be able to know is how uh how the process how the process was and was it okay yes this the part of this episode that feels like it was you know just clunking through a couple shots you know we were i was trying to tell the story but when you're making a documentary, a million things go wrong for every one thing that goes right. And so there was a, there's a lot of parts where I had to like, just work like super, super hard on certain scenes, you know, trying to pull things out of nowhere. Uh, because yeah, I was standing on the wrong side and I missed this or, you know, the gimbal flipped out and started spinning in circles That's the and worst. I didn't get that shot. That's <laughs> And yeah. so like, you know, you're, we're not on a movie set. We're not, you know, I don't have a, I can't, you know, I don't I can't have go a eat another, operator. I can't go yeah. eat another three cheeseburgers so that right. you <laughs> capture that whatever moment. Yeah. I mean, making documentaries is hard. There's no rehearsal. There's no, there's no one helping you out. Like I'm, I'm standing there trying to capture the action and the light and, I'm paying attention to obviously the sound I'm paying attention to, you know, is it recording or not? Like, are we in focus? Like where, where should I be standing? Um, and what type of emotion is happening right now? Should I need to be high or low. Is the um, microphone turned on. Exactly. I've done like, that. All of that I've stuff. I've done that before. Huh. All of that stuff. And when you're on a movie set, like you've got everyone else is taking care of all that stuff. So that as a director or something, you can really, be much more like invested in how it's going and everything can run smoother. And so making documentaries is hard. Is what I, I'm I'm, I, honestly, I'm really 
proud of what we put together. I think you did an absolutely amazing job. And the fact that basically it's just the two of us figuring this out on our own. I mean, this probably goes up against not giant budgets, but this for what we put together, the end product, I think is comparable to budgets that are maybe a hundred times greater than what we were working with. So it'll be really fascinating to see what you guys think about it. And again, you know, we're not, we're not trying to get rich off this. We're just trying to break even and we want to charge 99 cents an episode. They're in high def. I think that's actually like one ninety nine normally on Amazon. Um, but you know, yeah. I, I want to break the mold and give producers like Ryan Clayton that are super talented, a different outlet for running because YouTube's compensation is not coming close to what 99 cents for a 35 minute TV show is, is worth in my opinion. So we're trying something new. And if that 99 cents for six episodes too much, we're going to eventually in a few months afterwards, maybe October, or we haven't really set a date yet, but we'll put it on prime for free. So if you want to wait, eventually it's going to be free, but until then, um, it's going to go on Amazon as soon as Amazon can freaking review it and get it up there for you guys. (laughs) I don't want to have a mutiny here or (laughs) people are going to be a little upset that it might get delayed, but nothing we can do. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think people are understanding and I mean, it's there. The first couple episodes are done. They're up there. We're just waiting. They're in the cloud. Waiting on Amazon. Wherever that is. Yep. Come on. Amazon. Yep. Um, yeah. The process <laughs> is just a lot different than uploading a YouTube video. It's, <laughs> it's a lot different. And so, you know, there's just a lot more hoops you have to jump through and yeah. But yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm right there with you. Like, it's hard for me to, you know, really like pick out certain parts that, um, because I'm just so deep into it. And so, so in the middle of it right now, um, yeah, I don't have a favorite episode. I, I like them all. Yeah. I I think it's going to be fun. I think people are going to like it. I think it'll be a different experience for a lot of people. It's definitely, it's definitely a different type of show. You know, it's more of, I'll, I'll let people make this their is own. Never, this I mean, no, <laughs> I, I don't want to like be talking it up too much, but like this has basically yeah. never been done. The the way we put it together, um, it will flow very naturally, but and it might come across as like, oh, like, you know, we captured all the stuff and it worked out like decently and it flows together because Ryan just is a master at that stuff, but this is unique and special and I'm really proud of, of what's being put together. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I want to shift gears. I want to learn more about Ryan. Cause I mean, I've been working with this guy for months now and I don't even know <laughs> if you played high school sports. So I got to start off with like that awkward, like <laughs> when did you find running question? Um, were you a, a high school runner or, or what were you doing back in the day? Yeah. I was a high school runner in the summers because, uh, well, I'll get into that, but I played soccer, uh, basically four seasons a year 
for almost, I guess, 12, 15 years of my life, something like that. Uh, and then every summer for a couple of weeks, I trained with the cross country team. So I did have a little bit of like real running experience, but basically I was a soccer player. Um, four, and then, four seasons a year. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you know, there's you do. not even more than that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you do your spring and so you do your spring and fall actual like league seasons. And then in the winters there's indoor, and in the summers there's tournaments and you know premier teams that you can get on and do all that sort of stuff so it was pretty much no time off soccer from the time so, i was up so the guys from to, like manchester united were like watching you scouting you were you yeah. going, were you gonna <laughs> try to go pro or anything i mean that's no. a serious schedule like no i mean a lot of the guys that i would play that i played with in indiana played um uh, they got scholarships at like IU or, uh, other places. Um, but I went to Purdue and Purdue didn't have a varsity soccer team. So I played club for a little bit. Um, and then it was just, it wasn't, I don't know. I was into, you know, it wasn't, I was just into different things. Like, you know, I'd played soccer for 15 years or so and wanted to take a a year or two off, but in college didn't, Yeah. College just kind of ran off and on. Uh, and then after college, um, started working and, um, got into the restaurant business, managing restaurants and, um, gained, you know, some weight. And that wasn't like the best time, uh, as far as being healthy. (laughs) Um, but, uh, then kind of like, I don't know exactly when it was, maybe two, three years after college. I was, uh, one of my best friends, he was just talking about doing this triathlon and I was just like, you're crazy, man. Like, like you're like, when neither of us are like athletic anymore, like you're really going to try and swim through a lake. (laughs) Like, can you even swim? (laughs) That was like the joke. And then he was like, yeah, I can swim and I'm going to beat you but you'd never try it. And then he basically dared triathlon. And, uh, I thought about it for a couple of days and was like, okay, fine, we'll do it. And it was a little sprint triathlon and it was out in the lake. Uh, was there, it was like a 400 meter swim or something, which is not much at all. But to me at the time, it felt like, you know, swimming across, oh my God, I had to swim across the whole lake, but it was just this little, you know, few cones out there and, got the bug like really quickly to do triathlons and spent four or five years doing triathlon, worked my way all the way you know, to Ironman and, um, just loved it, had a blast, but, uh, got a little bit tired of how much time it took to train because when you're training for, especially Ironman, like those, the, you got to put so much time in on the bike because that's, I mean, you're, you're doing a hundred mile rides, every Saturday flip around, do another 50 on Sunday with a half marathon tacked on the end of it. And it's like, it's just, it's so much time, five, six hour bike rides every weekend. Um, and then, but kind of through that time also got into trail running and, um, did a couple 50 milers, um, jumped up to a hundred. My first hundred was, the grindstone 100 in virginia 
and it was probably not the best decision of the first hundred to do. <laughs> uh, but it was like, I was looking at the calendar and I was like, I kind of want to do something in the fall and this one looks really cool and people say it's really hard. So why not? I'll just try it's it. It's a hard rock qualifier. I mean, it's also a hard rock qualifier. Must, yeah. must be easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that was just, just got totally just like annihilated at that race and, uh, you know, just hurt for days, couldn't walk all that, all that, that goes into doing your first, you know, like hundred miler and, uh, was, I just loved it. And, uh, I don't know why, but loved it, got the bug and now, you know, I love doing hundreds, like I've done run rabbit run 100. Um, and then last year, yeah, last, yeah, last year, um, I was trying to do the Midwest super slam, which is five hundreds in over the course of like three months or something. And at, uh, rolled my ankle and ended up tearing cartilage at one of the early ones. And that was like the worst injury I've ever had. Um, it was just, it was absolutely horrible. Uh, yeah, I remember. and didn't, yeah. didn't know what it was Mohican. for a long time. Yeah. Mohican 100 at mile 82. I was coming back into the camp, like at the end of a lap and was coming down this little tiny hill. It was grass and it had been raining all night, just pouring rain and just, just slipped and landed just like went straight down, landed with my leg curled up underneath me and didn't know what happened because it happened so fast, but my ankle was just in, just in incredible pain and ended up that since I was coming into camp, there happened to be a medic like sitting right there, like in his truck, like on the road and saw the whole thing happen. So he jumped out and wrapped my ankle and I made it another like two miles of walking and hobbling before I got cut off, which was just like, awful just had to stop uh and then that was like that, that was just super super annoying the way it played out afterwards because i did not know what was wrong with my ankle for almost two and a half three months afterwards because it was you know it felt well I, i'd never really sprained my ankle bad but from everything that i had you know kind of like seen on the internet and i was going I, I went to a doctor right away the doctor told me yeah he probably just rolled it they did an x-ray there was no bones um went to my physical therapist and like she was she's amazing she was working me through stuff but she was just like this is not like recovering as fast as just an ankle roll or a sprain should be recovering after four, five, six weeks, I was still just in a whole lot of pain and didn't have like flexibility. And long story short, after insurance finally stopped being dumb and let me go get, um, an MRI found out that I had torn cartilage in my ankle. And it, the, at this point it was 10 weeks post injury and it was pretty much healed. So they were like, congrats. <laughs> uh, you can it's go awful. back to running again. Yeah, it was just, it was so annoying because had I, and this was throughout this, I mean, I was going to film at these races with you. I was uh, out at Western States with Camille 
and uh, filming her out there and didn't know what was wrong with my ankle this whole time. Um, you know, kind of tried to hobble behind some people like, you know, like hobble behind Camille. Yeah. Right. She's like running five minute miles, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, and yeah, so then, but then I ended up, um, they told me you could run again. And so I trained for two weeks for the hallucination 100 and finished that. And that was awesome. That was my, that was my 2019. It was like a redemption. Yeah. Yeah. Were you you able to train at all while you were filming the triple? Like, did you get out for any training? No, I didn't. You were just so focused on task at hand. Is that what it was? Really? There was really no opportunity. I mean, there were some times where if I would have, had I been like healthy, like without this ankle problem, I definitely probably would have because there were some parts where, you know, there was, two aid stations in a row where we weren't allowed to go to or something. And so I wasn't going to be able to see you for like 60 miles or something. So yeah, there was quite a bit of downtime at certain parts that I could have done a lot more exploring and running. Um, but for this whole time I was just like, didn't know what was wrong with my ankle, you know, freaked out that this was in my, if I go for a run, am I going to cause permanent damage? Cause no one was telling me anything. They were just saying your x-ray showed nothing and insurance won't approve an MRI because it was just dumb loopholes. But they finally were able to. As weird as it sounds being out on all those kind of techie trails all the time for August, September, and October, I mean, that's pretty good. Like increasing flexibility and mobility in your ankle. Having broken my ankle in the past – Mowing the grass was oh, my big like breakthrough. Really? Yeah, I remember feeling every little undulation. It was awful, uh-huh. but also oh, what loosened it up enough. It sounds like what you had was even probably worse than that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that was. I've been injured before. I've you know broken bones before. This was just. It was weird it was just a weird feeling and I didn't, you know, you couldn't tell what it was. It was, it was also in a unique spot. They said, um, cause when I, when I finally was cleared to run, he was like, okay, you can run like this, the spot in the middle of your ankle that this tear actually is like, I'm going to let you, you can do whatever you want uphill and on the flats, but I do not want you to run downhill for another couple weeks. And so I went into the hallucination 100 thinking, okay, my doctor just told me I can't run downhill. So <laughs> for about 80 miles, I walked all the downhills <laughs> and then I was like, Freak this. I'm gonna run. <laughs> but, yeah, people are probably like, man, he's starting off pretty conservatively. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> did you, did like, you end up picking up anything after all these stupid 200 mile races that you applied at hallucination or You've done a lot of hundreds previously, but I'm just wondering if having witnessed all that carnage at all those uh, three yeah. races, like, was there anything going through your head at those races at Hallucination? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is just the, uh, I guess you would call it awareness of uh, the task at hand, I think is the best way to describe it, like going through and seeing all these people finish a 200 mile race, 
you kind of look at a hundred just a little bit differently, even though I've never attempted a 200, uh, just knowing that, you know, yeah, there's, there's people out there that do these 200 mile races. And so hundred doesn't sound that bad. You know, like I'm trying to tell myself that at, you know, mile 30 of, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, you know, I would say pull that out of it. Yeah. But I mean, they're just, they're so different though, from my perspective, as far as the nutrition requirements, the sleep requirements, the pace that these things are done at, um, unless you're Mike McKnight or something like that. But, yeah, definitely, definitely not a, <laughs> uh, elite 200 miler. That's for sure. <laughs> Even if that's yeah. a thing, I, I think that is a thing. Um, <laughs> I think it is now. <laughs> uh, so it, what's weird is even if you have mastered that stuff now, everything's going to change again. So it's like, yeah, I, I kind of like that. I, I like the uncertainty. I like having to make quick decisions on the fly and live with the repercussions for the next 18 miles until the next mm-hmm. aid station. I, I like that challenge. I mean, yeah. was the, the distance between aid stations within your mind altered? Uh, like you mean a difference in like, yeah, like it, it is like different a because six a lot of mile yeah. stretch for aid stations. Yeah. yeah. A lot of hundreds, your typical, uh, distance is you know five to maybe eight miles between aid stations there's a lot of races out there where you got an aid station every three miles uh and that's that's a lot of aid stations um but yeah it's it's quite different uh you know uh the destination trail races a lot of them being 18 to 20 miles apart that's a that's that's very very different (laughs) for every for every everything that goes into it i mean you're talking nutrition you're talking your your feet your you know the clothing you have to bring um it's just there i mean it's the difference is it's so different yeah i mean everything like when you're doing 100 and you've got four miles to go like if you accidentally forgot a water bottle at the aid station or you didn't get the right nutrition like you can make it four miles i mean even if you got to walk you're going to be there in probably an hour and a half or something if you have to walk the whole thing but if you have to walk 20 miles like you might not be there till tomorrow or something yeah. like that yeah i think the listener will get to see firsthand like when you're going through aid stations the stakes are higher because yeah. there's plenty that i screwed up which you'll you'll get to see <laughs> Um, why, why do you like hundred mile distance races? Why not 50 miles? Why not 50 K you seem to, to really like the longer distance. And I think that attracted you to the the film project, obviously. Um, what what is it about longer distances that you like? Um, I mean, the hundred is just one of those distances for me. I mean, having just only done a handful, I mean, I'm not super experienced at them, but, uh, for me, it's, 
it's going through going through all of the kind of cycles in a day that I really like. Like I like if it, whether the race starts in the morning, you know, go through the morning, afternoon, go through the night, come back in the morning, or if it starts at night, you see you see a full day. Uh, I just think that's it's so cool to travel through those I don't know sections of a day like there's nighttime or cool, hot sun, you know, middle of the day. Yeah. Um, I think the, the nutrition side of it also intrigues me because I'm the way, like, I really like to figure things out and figure out how things work. And so for me, constantly trying to break down my nutrition and how am I going to fuel for, you know, the first 50 or the last 50 or how am I going to get through this night or what foods do I need? Like that's, I like the, um, the constant game that you're playing there. Uh, it feels like a game to me. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you lose badly. <laughs> it's it's like high stakes. It's high stakes uh, game of some sort. I yeah, I, I agree. I love it. It's problem solving just, like to the yeah. next level because you live with the repercussions. Like it can be bad sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and I love just finding out new things about yourself. Like I've been in. I've, I've ran a marathon before, uh, where, uh, you know, I was puking on the side of the trail and I thought my race was over. And then, you know, fast forward a couple years later to hallucination 100 at mile, like 35 or 40, uh, I was puking up the gels that I had just taken because I don't know if they're bad or what, but something was wrong with my nutrition. And then for the, like, I didn't eat anything for like 60 miles, the last 60 miles of that race, I would sip Gatorade at the aid stations. And just to like going through that race, talking to the guy I was running with, uh, my good friend, Matt, just like, I can't believe I'm still functioning. Like, how am I still functioning? <laughs> like I'm still walking, I'm still running. And like, I haven't had anything to eat in like 18 hours. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> it's just like, like finding out what the body can do is just like amazing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's weird. I was just talking to um, a, a pretty quick ultra runner, and yeah, they were talking about nutrition, how they actually were eating less when they sped up. And it was just, there's some like really counterintuitive things with nutrition. I, I always fall back on hydrations like paramount, at like foundational level, but Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll save that conversation for another day. But yeah, there's there's yeah. so many nuances and you're never going to have a perfect race. It's always like you can shoot for it, but you can get close. You're never going to have a perfect race yeah. and keeps me coming back for more, keeps me focused on training. Yeah, and I think with hundreds, you like you said, you're never going to have a perfect race. You're going to be presented with many opportunities to problem solve and uh, find your way. I think that's like a big thing. And just, you know, getting to that place where mentally you're just like, I'm, I'm done. Like I cannot, there's no way I can do another 40 miles, but then just keep walking forward or keep running, like whatever you're doing. Uh, I just think that's just such an incredible, like growth that you can go through by doing, by just getting yourself, through one of these races yeah uh, 
just one of them. It's just like the amount of growth that you go through is just really cool. I, I couldn't agree more. No, no finish line like the one you seriously, seriously questioned right. at, at some point. Like I've, I've experienced that at Moab and a lot of other places. And yeah, no, that's just really cool to hear. And I, I just keep going back to being thankful to have partnered up with you. It, I think a lot of times it takes a trail runner. It takes an ultra runner to be in the right camera position and to know kind of the emotional state of another runner. And so I think you have done a marvelous job capturing all of this and hopefully Amazon gets on, on this and, and gets it approved here shortly. But, you know, I've, I've yeah. really, um, I've enjoyed working with you. I hope we get to collaborate in the future on something. And I mean, how do you follow this up? I think that's going to be my last question of the night. And we could talk for hours. Ryan has kids and somehow in full-time job and does filmmaking somehow squeezes this all in and does hundreds yeah. and we'll be doing a 200 probably here soon. <laughs> how, do, yeah. how do you follow up the triple crown of filmmaking? Cause it's a conundrum for someone like myself uh, who's running it. But for you, you just completed or were about to complete a TV show, which again on our budget is I, I don't think it's basically ever been done before. Um, how do you follow this project up? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I don't know. because I'm So like, I've been so invested in this project for the last, I don't even know how many months it's been six, seven, eight, I don't know. But just like every, every day, you know, focused on this and you take time off here and there, but it's like, this is like, this is the main focus and so moving forward i don't know i mean i've always you know i've like for me documentaries are something that i really really have a a big passion for i would love to get into narrative stuff um i don't know maybe one day doing uh doing long form narrative i think that would be really cool i really love the the planning process of it all i love the actual shooting i love the i love all sides of it um, i mean all parts of it again i'm thankful to have learned as much as i have from you and i think both of us kind of took this weird humble approach where we both knew we couldn't do this ourselves like this was too enormous of a a task i mean there's just too much to film you can't tell the story properly. If I try to do it myself, if you try to do it solo, like, so I think, I, I think we might have something, um, really fun to watch here. And that's, that's the goal is to inspire people, you know, that you're capable of doing something like a 200 and like here, we'll peel back the, the curtain and show you how a lot of people are doing it. And hopefully you guys are, are having fun while you watch it. But I think, uh, yeah, just, just working with you, you being humble enough to, to work with a, a rookie, uh, filmmaker like myself, you know, it's, it's been awesome. It's been a great experience. So 
I appreciate you, uh, you know, involving me and in, in working together on it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. I hope, I mean, you know, like when you, when you come to the end of something like this, you, it's always kind of nerve wracking, wondering what people are going to think. But I think people are, it's going to be different. I think people, um, I think people will like it, you know, hopefully, uh, but that's for everyone to decide for themselves, you know, and that's kind of none of my business. Like I've done, I've done my part. I've put it out there. And if people like it, they like it. If they hate it, they hate it. Fine. Go find something else to watch. But that's totally it was my fun opinion. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly like people might think I'm doing this for like self promotion and that sort of thing. And it's like, nope. Like as long as I get those emails, like, cause I get them for my book and that was the only reason I wrote the book. And yeah, I just, I want to get those emails like, Hey Rob, like I got off the couch. I lost 50 pounds watching this TV show. Like you inspired me. Like that's all I want to do. And so I think, you know, I think we, I think we did this. So hopefully we get a bunch of those yeah. cool emails. Cause that's, that's why I do this. I hopefully we break even yeah. on the project financially, but beyond yeah. that, I mean, I don't, my payment is honestly like getting those emails, the life changing emails. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like mm -hmm. it. So, uh, where, no, I agree. where can people follow you on social media? If you're not following Ryan, definitely check him out on, I know you're on YouTube, a bunch. That's where I found you mm -hmm. You're on Instagram and Twitter and everything. Where, where can people follow you on social? Yeah, I think, you know, YouTube for sure. That's where, um, all my, film and video and blog stuff lives just search for my name you'll find it it should be the first thing that pops up at this point there was somebody else named ryan clayton but i think i'm i think i've surpassed him now on subscribers <laughs> uh but yeah you can find me on youtube instagram uh on there do stories sometimes and twitter facebook stuff like that but yeah youtube's the place to go see the trailer um yeah, and uh awesome. Follow me there. Yep. And definitely on Amazon too. Yep. <laughs> well, Ryan, I appreciate your time. And, you know, I, I think this was kind of a cool behind the scenes share on, on a lot of what was taking place for the TV show. And thanks for sharing some of your running background too. Really appreciate that. So thanks and have a good night. Yeah, too, man. Thanks. That was episode 137. Big thank you to Ryan Clayton for all of his work throughout. Thank you to the show sponsors, Kogala, Hammer Nutrition, Exoskin, Destination Trail. And big thank you to you, you Patreon supporters. You guys make this all work. Have a great week. Don't forget to enjoy your training. See ya.